Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to Impact the World, and my guest today is Jarnavi Harrison. If you're not familiar with Jarnavi's work, she is a really incredible musician, and her work is all focused on the path of service and spirituality through music and other art forms. I first heard Jarnavi because of an EP that she created with Willow Smith, which we will speak about. But what I really loved about her as soon as I started exploring her work, her music, it wasn't just the richness and the depth of her music and her voice and her writing. It was also the way that she would beautifully talk about the difficulties around the creative process, hesitations she was having, what she was having to overcome. And I just so admired it and knew that I would love to see if she would come on the show. And I'm thrilled she said yes. And it's a really interesting conversation all about creativity, being reluctant about things that we feel compelled to do or are part of our destiny, and of course, music. So please enjoy the show. And as usual, we put all links to our guest in the show notes. So you can find Jarnavi at jarnavimusic.com and we'll put links to her Apple and Spotify playlists and artist page in the links. And if you are a fan of Impact the World, it would mean the world to us as an independent show. If you would subscribe to us on YouTube, if you're watching, or leave us a rating, a review, or subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. That really helps support us and get the word out about the show. For now, enjoy this conversation with Jana V. Harrison. Welcome, Janavi, to the show. And I just was sharing with you that I'm, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. I came across your work. It's funny, we put out an album into the New Age category on the same day that you released um, your Rise EP with Willow Smith. So mm-hmm. as I was seeing like all the stuff going on in that category, I was like, oh, I've, I'd, I'd not heard of you. And I knew of Willow from Red Table Talk. Mm-hmm. And I knew her pop music um, from yeah. before. But um, it was, I shared this with you in the email, we listened to the EP for, you know, a whole road trip to Northern California and back and myself and Stephen just just loved it. The whole thing, I think your voices and the writing, but also what I really appreciated was the production and how you, for me, were bridging the traditional and the modern in a very invisible way. There was nothing pasted on, it just... The whole thing syncopated so beautifully. And um, even listening to it recently, I hear new things all the time and your beautiful violin playing as well. So thank you for that uh, yeah. great, great EP. And and then all the work you do, because I then went and listened to your other stuff and just really fell in love with your music, your voice and what you're doing. Thank you so much. That's, uh, you know, for every creative person, for someone to listen so deeply and to reflect and frame it so beautifully as always you you really feel like wow I'm, I feel I feel seen and appreciated for what I'm trying to do so I'm really grateful for that and I don't know if I told you I think I did tell you this but I hadn't heard of you and 
funnily enough, I first found out about you while I was in quarantine, waiting to meet Willow to record this because I listened to the interview you did with India Ari, who is someone that I've yeah, followed since I was very young, 12, 13 years old. So when I when I saw that she had an interview with somebody, I was like, oh, I want to I want to hear what I always want to hear what she has to say. She's magic. She is amazing. And then I was really touched by the 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 depth of the interview that you did. And it was, um, you know, I was alone and it was a scary time to be to have traveled. I'd, I'd had a very arduous journey to get to LA in the middle of the pandemic. I had about four different stops with quarantines along the way. And I, I didn't know if things were going to work out. And I just remember I was over two days listening to that conversation and it was very encouraging, very inspiring. So you were, you were a part of the <laughs> creation of Rise in this amazing way. Yeah, no, and I'm, you did tell me that in an email, and I remember being, oh, yeah. how funny, you know, just you yeah. never, you never quite know what you're doing or where yeah, it's going. Of course. So that, of course. that was great, and I saw you on our mutual friend Geraldine Glass's page not too long mm-hmm. after you and she were performing on Instagram, and I, yeah. I know in the in the future we'll we'll get to hear some of those recordings from you both. Yeah, yeah. But I then went and followed you on Instagram, and I shared with you that I was as moved by a post that you wrote where you were speaking about the creative process and how challenging or difficult you could find it. And you were giving specific examples of some of the things that you yourself had to overcome. And as Mm. somebody who is a a lifelong creative, but also passionate about debunking the process, you know, that it is hard sometimes. And sometimes Mm. you have got a lot to move through. I really appreciated that honesty that you were were putting out there, which is why I knew I wanted to get you on the show. So thank you for Mm. being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love to talk about that. Um, and uh, I find that there's so much there, there's so much we discover when when engaging in conversation about things that, you know, so many things appear one way and they're really something else. And that comes to light when we when we dialogue and and especially in honesty and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if we can. I was very intrigued to learn that you grew up uh, in a in in a very different way to say how a lot of us grew up in mm-hmm. and you were at um a place I'd not heard of which is funny because it was in England but back mm. to Vedanta Manor mm-hmm. um, and you grew we were raised in a family of bhakti yoga practitioners which yes. is extraordinary and I'm sure gave you a very unique perspective on the world is yeah. I'd just love to hear a little about that yeah well um Bhaktivedanta Manor is uh just outside of North London in the Hertfordshire countryside so it's uh it's not very far from the city but it's it's sort of another world it's just you know fields and a lot of farmland and it's a it's a a Tudor sort of mock Tudor mansion house that's set on 80 acres of land with a lake and a farm and a school. That's where I went to school. And uh, it was donated by George Harrison of the Beatles in the 1970s to the Hare Krishna movement, who were, who had a temple in central London in Soho. And um, there were so many people coming that they, they were really outgrowing this little space. And he said, you know, you, you, you guys need a bigger place. I'll help you with that. Um, so my parents, well, my dad specifically, uh, he moved into Bhaktivedanta Manor as a, as a young 
a 17 year old who was on a spiritual quest. Um, that must have been 1975 or 76. So, you know, be long before he decided to, you know, get married and have a family, he'd already been there for many, many years, um, living in the ashram as a, a monk, serving, um, and, and also traveling around the country, uh, spreading a spiritual message to many different people. And my mom uh, also got involved with the same uh, organization, but in the US. She's from Canada and she got involved in the US and eventually ended up in England. So they both were very deeply embedded in the community. They were, um, they were serving in so many different ways as we were growing up. And we lived practically walking distance from the temple. Um, so we went to school there. We were there before school because we would go um, you know, there's there's a beautiful shrine there, so that's really sort of the the heart of the community. And from 4:30 in the morning, there's morning worship um, through till 8:30 in the morning, and there's you know different activities that go on at that time. But we would go for, for uh, the, around seven in the morning, and we'd be there for the prayers and, and singing, chanting. There there'll be a class, and the kids would have a special class just for us. And then we have breakfast together, have our regular school day. And then often, because my parents were uh, working and serving there, we'd often, well, especially when it was kind of summer months, we'd stay after school and play in the grounds or go down to the farm and play with the cows and things like that. So, well, I know that sounds like a very, <laughs> it sounds very idyllic, but it kind of was. <laughs> it kind of was. It was a very, very sheltered um beautiful world. And I was telling a friend yesterday that, um, you know, it, this was also, I mean, the, the internet was around at that time, but it was not really at the point of being in the lives of kids or, or even a lot of people in their homes didn't have it, you know, so internet and then our, our consumption of TV was um, zero for the first few years of my life. And then highly limited everything pop culture was highly limited so this world where spiritual um spiritual values and spiritual activities were the most important thing not not to say there weren't other aspects of life there but there was a real focus and a sort of distillation of what why are we here what are we here for what, what are we connecting on the basis of that gave a very rich experience at that time in my life. And of course, eventually I had to come out of that bubble, yeah. <laughs> which is another story. Right. And and how that must have been a real shock, maybe when you, I mean, I, I always yeah. think it's a shock for all of us when we enter the adult world as young yeah. adults anyway. But for you, yeah. that must have been a complete 360. How was the transition? Yeah, the transition was really, um, really hard for me. I was... Um, I've always been, you know, very sensitive. I was, as soon as I started school, I became very shy because I didn't, I, I, because I was sensitive, I think I, I always wanted to do the right thing. So I wouldn't, the teacher wouldn't have to raise their voice and, you know, I just easily get overstimulated by things. So um, <clears throat> my parents decided that when I was nine years old, because in England, the last year of, you know, our elementary school is uh, between nine and 10 years old. So they thought, well, you, if you do the last year of regular elementary school, um, it, you know, at a regular school, then 
you'll get a bit used to it before secondary school or high school, because at the temple, there was only facility for the first uh, years of schooling, not high school level. So traditionally, the kids always had to graduate out to other schools. And people had varying experiences with that transition, depending on their nature, I think, just depending on their personality, whether they were going with a friend and things like that. Um, and so it just so happened that in my generation of, of peers, there was like there was a period where I guess in the community, people weren't having children for a while and there was this big gap. So amongst uh, those who were older than me had already been and gone, you know, several years before. And then those who were my peers, that particular time, most of my friends' parents decided that they wanted them to kind of stay in the community and maybe do homeschooling or other alternative ways of, of going through their high school years. So I was the only one that went out. So it felt very stark. It was suddenly just like being catapulted into this very, very unfamiliar world that felt very, um, felt very ab abrasive in some ways to me. Um, just even, you know, be, even just the way that some people would speak or the language that I would hear or the things people would talk about um, and, and not being familiar so much with, with pop music. I mean, I've said it to, I've described this to some people sometimes and they're like, oh, don't say it like that. You sound like you were, you know, you were inside some kind of prison. I'm like, no, I was very happy. It's just, it's just a culture shock. Completely different world. Yeah. Very different world. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was difficult and it was difficult for a long time because I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I think a lot of the adults around, although they like my parents, for instance, they wanted the best for me and they were they were encouraging me in that direction because they could see I was academic and they wanted me to be able to grow and be stretched also in, in a, an environment with, you know, a much more diverse classmates and teachers who were going to be able to to, to nurture that. But um, they were, I gave them a lot of gray hairs, I think, because <laughs> I was somewhat inconsolable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can only, I can only imagine, I mean, I, I, I in, a, in an interesting way, uh, my story is probably like a lot of sensitive story. It took me until I was about 18, 19 to start figuring out <laughs> that I was sense, more sensitive than I either had allowed myself to believe or been uh, encouraged with. And, and I had to kind of process at that point of uncovering. But for you, you had the opposite experience, which is uh, your sensitivity was nurtured. And I'm, I'm curious where you're at right now in your life, especially as you are putting yourself and your work out into the world, which I know you've been doing for a good decade or so in broadcasting and the BBC. Mm -hmm. But it, it's interesting to me because I can feel a lineage in your music that it makes sense that you were raised the way you were raised, although it feels far deeper than that. It's very much your soul, your spirit. But I, I feel that vibration coming out of what you do. So I'm just wondering if do you feel in a way where you're at now is is a little bit more like your childhood in in terms of knowing what you need and 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 how to navigate the world? I like that question um, cuz it cuz it kind of brings me into an, 
a, uh, an answer. Well, I, I guess the answer is coming up that actually, yes, <laughs> I feel more, I feel more myself now than I have for a long time. And I think um, one thing with sensitivity is that I think it takes a long time to give oneself permission to be how you are if you're if you're a sensitive person i think you might have read this book called quiet it was a it was a new york times bestseller but i i was recommended it some years back it's it's a really interesting exploration of western culture and how being quiet or being introverted um went from being something you know natural and normal just variation between people to being something that was somewhat looked down upon that in, in even from the even from uh education the way kids are encouraged to collaborate in class or sit together things like that are nurturing people for a world in which those um those traits are not really so favored as as compared to i mean the writer at least said that in in the east these things are very celebrated and they're usually uh, seen in a more favorable light and when I when I read about that, I found that very interesting because I was just thinking, well, you know, when do you get the idea that it's not good to be sensitive? It's it's you know it's too sensitive, and it's you're too this or you're too that. Um, it comes about at some point. There's comments people will make, or you know, you 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 shouldn't cry like that, or whatever it is. And of course, if you are sensitive, everything that people say, and you know, the, even just the subtle energy impressions you 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 take it all in and form a, a a story you make meaning about what me and what was my value and and so um i i know that that was a great struggle through my teens of course so many of us <laughs> struggle in the in your teenage years but to yeah to just accept uh, myself for who i was and and to believe that i had value that I that I could contribute something in the world. I think for a long time, I thought that because I was very attracted to I, I for my whole youth, I studied various art forms, music, dance. I love to paint and draw. I love to write. I was just completely mm. absorbed in artistic activity. And yet, you know, I'd make all these lists. I remember being on the school bus um, when I finally was in, in secondary school and I would make these lists of things I might want to be when I grow up. And it was everything from a florist to, you know, a special effects makeup artist to oh, so many things. And I'd sometimes cross one off and I put another one. And my parents were really sweet because they actually, um, they, you know, they tried to facilitate my interests and, and take me at when I was at a certain age to shadow people. I remember my dad took me to a special effects makeup workshop mm -hmm. um, somewhere outside of London and spent a few hours with people. And But when I would be in those worlds, whatever it was, I always felt like I, I, I don't know, though, if I if I fit in with other people, if I fit in with this world. And I think partially that came from from having this very spiritual background, um, you know, from from four years old, we were studying texts like the Bhagavad Gita, which speaks about the nature of the soul, the purpose of life, you know, the body as a temporary covering, things like that, which are not things that kids normally talk about. I, I realized when I yeah. when I went to school, um, and I, I think it, 
I I never resented the fact that I'd been brought up in that way. I, I always felt that it was something positive, and yet I didn't know how that translated to just being in the world and being normal, so to speak. Uh, and so in, to your question, I think that um, I've been so blessed over the years to find ways and not even find, I really feel like I've just, it's just come to me. I feel it's just a blessing that through things that I've tried to kind of move towards, then this, these doorways have opened up for a way for me to express myself creatively and artistically, and yet bring in the spiritual roots that are still anchoring me, you know, in an, in an authentic way into my, into my output, my expression. I love it. I also feel that we have gone through this period of history where, you know, in our childhood, no one talked about this stuff. Now in your world, maybe they were, but I, I specifically don't remember hearing the term sensitive, highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. There were probably things I was trying to heal myself of in my, you know, 20 something years ago when I was going to workshops that really yeah. were just me not yet acknowledging, oh, you're just sensitive and you haven't figured yeah. that out. And that's why, but isn't it amazing how in the last, especially in the last decade, all of this yeah. stuff has just become so much more mainstream and people are wanting to have more awareness about themselves and figure out ways to deal with mental health and emotional health in a way that just wasn't really in the culture um, when I was growing up. So I think that helps too, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. I, as you were speaking, I was having an image of um, this <clears throat> in London. I'm sure you know of it, but I don't know if all, all listeners will, but there's a very famous kind of, um, I don't know how they would have categorized it in the past, uh, but it's called, it used to be called the Mind Body Spirit Festival yes, in, in London. Great, great festival. I spoke there a few times. Really wonderful. <laughs> right. So I used to, uh, my parents used to go and, and help with an exhibition there years ago when I was a child. And I used to, I, I was um, performing on the stage almost every year when I was like six, seven, eight years old in a little, there was like a, a dance drama performance. And I remember at that time, the festival was very considered very alternative, very new age, kind of hippie. And years later, in my late 20s, I, I was part of putting on a, a, a beautiful, we called it the um, pop-up temple there. And we had all through the day, nonstop um, devotional chanting, and we were doing meditation workshops. And by that time, they'd rebranded it the London Wellbeing Festival. And the people that were coming were such a such a diverse crowd, young people, all different backgrounds. And I was thinking, wow, this is this is a big shift. And and of course, we've seen that happen in so many ways, so many places. It really is profound. And I think it's a huge reason why I've been able to feel more and more open also to to just offer something. Like I remember even just years ago. Just yeah, to, exactly. Just mention the word meditation or yoga, and people would just be like, "What?" Or yeah. even just being vegetarian was so weird. I, I was just gonna say that was the other one. Yo, in in my childhood, it was yoga and vegetarian. What? Yeah. What? You know, what is yeah. that? Explain yeah. it. And it's it's yeah. hilarious, isn't it? How it changes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And similar, you know, one one aspect of my work and really what got me going with my work was channeling, which of course in the UK in 2004 is not something you want to tell people about unless they know what it is. 
And um, and now that, like so many aspects, uh, have are just more out there. And and I feel the same way. I think it's helped it's helped me also just feel a bit more, and on all of us uh, feel a little more. Um, I won't even say allowed in the world, but held in the world in a different way, maybe. Yeah, yeah, valued maybe, and and that's not to say, you know, that our value, our self worth, should be based on what other people think, but it's. It, it's just a sense, as you say, a sense of having a place, a place to be and, a, and something to, you know, it's as simple as I, I, you know, when you're on the, on the airplane, you get talking to the person next to you. It's, it's an easy conversation now, as opposed to feeling like you have to kind of frame things in a certain way, because maybe right. this is too weird or someone's not going to have heard of it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or even you can fall back to words like well-being, mindfulness, and people know what they are, even if they don't exactly. know what. Yeah. yeah. Well, music and you. So this relationship that you have with music, which you are also now a custodian of, mm-hmm. it was interesting looking into all of the work that you've done, not only as a Kirtan leader, but also as a musical director and uh, being the arranger and the leader for those groups. So. Uh, equally, that makes me even more moved by the post that you wrote about some of the some of the stuff that you were going through while you were on this recording project. Because mm-hmm. we often assume that the leadership role is one that people are completely comfortable in, and so I was just interested about in in your relationship to music. Like, was that there throughout, or did that come? later in life for you even though it was in your childhood at what point did you assume a leadership i'll say conductor role Mm. another really interesting question um yeah it was definitely something that came gradually i think as a person who identified myself as both sensitive and shy and of course we know that there's a distinction between the two but i conflated them that to be sensitive meant shy and that I I don't want people to, I don't want to be seen too much. I did take part in dance and drama and I felt that I could do that because it was like hiding behind a, a role or a costume, but to be, to sing or to be seen in that way was very much something I, I didn't think was for me or that I wanted to do. Um, I learned the violin from 10 years old onwards and, uh, I did. I I played in my lessons. I played for my exams and in my bedroom. I didn't perform anywhere. Um, it didn't really have a place in the world of other people. Mm. And um, singing was something I'd I'd sung through my whole childhood, sort of con- communally, congregationally, in the context of worship. And my dad was well known within the community as a kirtan leader. He has a beautiful, beautiful voice. Um, even more so why I didn't think I could, you know, I sort of idolized him and I thought, well, I can't do that. You know, so, um, and so it came very, very gradually, uh, as I came into my early twenties, it was something that I started playing my violin more, um, in Kirtan, partly because I changed to learning a different system of music, uh, Indian classical music, which gave me, um, which felt more natural to me than what I had been studying for many years and renewed my enthusiasm. And through that pathway of violin, um, I guess people realized, oh, well, you can also sing. And I started getting encouraged to sing more. And I, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know at what point it happened. Um, 
I remember having a conversation with my dad at one point, I think because um, it would often be the case. And I think sometimes we just, we sort of have this in our destiny to, to, to have a position of leadership. And some people really aren't looking for that, but it, it, it's destined. It, it, it keeps opening up no matter how much you try and push it away. And so that was the case for me. And people always seemed to want me to be the leader. And I kept, kept being like, but I don't want to be the leader. What? I'm not the leader. And I remember my dad saying to me once, you know, you don't, you don't decide if you're the leader. If people are following you, people want to follow you. That means you are already a leader. So you, you have to decide whether you're going to, are you going to take that responsibility and acknowledge that people are wanting, wanting me to, you know, be in that position and make the best of it, help, help and serve in that way. Or you're just sort of pushing it away, but it keeps coming, it keeps coming. And something about the way he said that really struck me. And um, of course, you know, there are many, many moments in the evolution of our, uh, our, our life and ourself. It wasn't just that one moment, but I know over time I felt more like, oh, okay, as my confidence grows, as I see that I'm not, I never wanted to be a kind of person who was like, I'm going to be the leader. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I, I could, I remember being quite bossy as a child, especially directing people when we were, you know, play acting and stuff like that. So I guess I had that, that leadership coming out at that time, but I didn't want to impose myself on people. And um, I found that over time, you know, that, that, that there are ways of leading where you're not just authoritarian. You, you, you try to be a, a bridge and a connecting point between people and try to empower people to, to give something and plug into something and just, just sort of be a bit of a linchpin in, in some way that that is a type of leadership and that appealed to me. So it was very gradual, which is that, which is, I think that was what I needed for someone who was so reluctant. You know, it's like, it's like the what the, the waters, the temperature of the water is just heating up very slowly. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, <laughs> You uh, you did a really beautiful post. Um, I think it must have been December because Spotify send to artists their end of year statistics oh, yeah. newsletter, um, and you shared it on Instagram. And it was it was I'll I'll paraphrase what I remember, but it was very touching. You basically said numbers are not something I normally ever pay attention to, mm. uh, but this really struck me this morning and you just shared how moved you were that so many people had seen your music and and heard your music and mm. i'm wondering like how are you feeling now like in this moment today where you are right now do you feel do you feel uh comfortable with the place you've found yourself in and 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 where you're going next i i'm kind of laughing because I think I'm always in some state of discomfort when it comes to the things that I do. I'm always having to cajole myself or convince myself or get myself out of some self-doubt or, or just general doubt, worry, confusion, anxiety. Um, you know, none of those things are new to me. I've had that my whole life and the people around me, close friends and family, they also know that and they know that oh if you're talking like she's saying this again okay same thing you know just like <laughs> no Janavi no no you're really no 
okay, well, you wrote that song. So yeah, you can sing it. You should sing it because you wrote it. So you're going to do it. It's going to be fine. And, and, and um, practically every year of the last, probably the last 15 years or at least a decade, I, I, I think at the end of the year, okay, well, that was good. And I think probably I should just, that I should call that, you know, that was a good period I did that for. Now I should change direction and do something more normal because, you know, what's, why am I, I don't know, why am I doing this? Like there's that whole like yeah. inner dialogue. I'm always thinking that I should be maybe doing something else. And I, I just feel like it's just hanging by a thread a lot of the time. And, and every time I, I get so much hesitation, there comes like another big wind push that just blows me forward. And then I look around, I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, this is nice. Okay. Okay. I'll, all right. I'll do this for a little bit longer. And I think the, 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 the part of me that appreciates it is seeing what it means to people and seeing how people, I, I can genuinely say, I mean, I, I say this, um, with humility, because I, I don't think that it's because of me. I, I, I know that I play a role, but I, I know that this is, um, this is something that I'm trying to offer in service to the divine. And, and that's why, and that's why, you know, it has this, it, it, it has a special quality for people and people tell me that it has a profound impact in their lives or even changes their lives. And, hearing those words, reading those messages, um, people coming and telling me this story, it really, uh, it touches me very deeply because I always wanted to do something for other people that would, that would be meaningful. I wanted my life to have a deep sense of purpose and to know that, you know, whenever that moment comes that we leave this body and move on, that you'll know that while I spent I spent my life trying to trying to help others and trying to serve, and that was a that was a good use of the time that I had. Um, so that that gives me a lot of of courage. But of course, when I look into the world and just see, you know, there's just it, it, everything's so noisy. The whole social media world, mm -hmm. the world of media, media generally, entertainment, just everyone's trying to be visible. Everyone's trying to be heard. And I just sometimes look at it and think, what am I, what am I trying to do? Stick my head out and say, look at me. I, I don't really want to be looked at. I, 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 I don't want to be heard, but I want this music. I want this message to be heard because I believe it has a healing power for people. So it's sort of like a dance, you know, between sort of just keep pushing my, myself forward. And I'm not even necessarily pushing myself. I, I give so much credit to friends and family that around that they, they help me to do that. They keep pushing. And, and also others that have come forward in recent years, you know, I never did any, I never had a team of any sort. I never did anything with any help per se that was consistent. And a few years ago, a friend of mine, he said, you know, you really need a manager. You, you look at what you're doing. It's growing you. And I, for years I was saying, no, 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 I, I don't need that. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. You know, I, I write my own emails. I do everything myself. Mm -hmm. That's, that's who I am. And, and one summer I was back at home and, and I met with a couple of friends and one of them, the, the one that had offered his help was there. And he said, please just 
to give me three months. Let me just show you how it will help you. And so we're still working together. It's been immensely helpful. And similarly, others have come forward. So it's, I think what I'm describing is, um, you know, it's a, it's a dance. And I, I feel comfortable in that. In, 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 I think part of the dance is my desire to, to, to retain an integrity in my, this music, this, this artistic expression is an aspect of my spiritual practice. So the integrity is, is trying to keep a simplicity and a humility about it whilst not, not shying away from stepping forward. Beautiful. Everything you said, I, 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 yeah, lots of, lots of relating moments for me and I'm sure people listening in, in whatever your world is, I think it's interesting, isn't it? How one of the things I now understand about growth that I didn't for a long time is it's always a bit uncomfortable to grow, whether it's in the outer world or the world of an intimate relationship or your group, because you're going to change and whether it's collaborating with a team member, your your identity is going to shift. You're going to have to let yeah. go of that part of you that used to do it all yourself. And yeah. so it's a it's a very it's a very interesting thing. But equally, I love what you talk about with integrity and the spiritual nature of what you're doing, because I remember being taken to a wonderful Kirtan artist called Brenda McMorrow. Um, mm. It was almost a decade ago, and she'd seen a video of mine and reached out to me um, to, to talk to me about the video. Mm-hmm. And she happened to be in Boulder, Colorado, where I was living at the time. And she said, oh, I'm doing a performance. Do you want to meet? So we did. And then she said, oh, do you want to come along and harmonize? And I knew nothing about Kirtan, but she knew I sang. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was blown away. So we did this Kirtan and it was the first time I had ever experienced being in the room with that level of chant running through not just your body, but the body of the community. Mm. My first introduction to really long pieces with the rule of no clapping at the end. This is not a performance. This is a, you know, this is a moment of prayer. This is a spiritual and just that silence and, and how beautifully noisy the silence was. I always noticed how how orchestral the silence was after you'd all finished singing and what you could hear in your body and what you could hear in the room. It was, it really blew me away. And I remember thinking, God, more people should experience this. But Mm. the few people I tried to take, they were, oh, it sounds a bit weird, you know. Mm. It's great that, that we're kind of losing some of those barriers because it is really a very divine uh, experience. Deva and Maten spoke about it when they came on the show. Maten said for him, it was moving for him from being a rock performer and someone who was used to being in that world of music mm-hmm. over to something that was serving music in a very different way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved your description of the sight of that silence. It was amazing. I, uh, as you were saying it, I was, I was seeing it. It's, it's almost like a colored and textured, like you, you can sense it with other senses. Um, yeah, Kirtan, Kirtan has been a part of my life, um, from, you know, from being in the womb, my my parents would have been hearing it. And uh, my friends and I joke that our, our, our introduction to Kirtan would have been, you know, lying on the floor or on a lap or, you know, as a, as a little baby, just 
this sort of feeling the vibration of the percussion in your cheek and just absorbing it before you're even consciously participating. Um, and it's been a real, it, it is a source of inspiration, shelter. It's, it's, I feel it's my home in sound and, and wherever I am, when I part participate in it, I feel at home. I feel I have the opportunity to, I don't know if transcend is the right word. It, it, it is, it illuminates really who we truly are. And, and so it's, it's, it's a feeling of shedding some layers for at least a time, you know, it, 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 until, until you reach an, a state of spiritual advancement, it doesn't necessarily last for, you know, yeah. days and days and days, but it, in the moment we can experience that. And uh, I know when I was, um, I think it was 2000, 2008, 2009, I started coming to the US and around that time, uh, I, I plugged in with a friend who had a kirtan band, so to speak. Um, I'd never been, I'd never been exposed to the idea of a kirtan band. I'd, I only knew kirtan in the temple, but a friend of mine also from the same uh, community had formed a group with some different friends and musicians and called As Kindred Spirits. And I highly recommend looking up their recordings, really beautiful. Mm. Um, so I joined as kindred spirits and the lead singer is Goravani and he's a very dear friend and brother of mine. And we started to tour around that year. We did a tour of the U S and Canada um, and actually went to Australia and India as well, but going to some of these big um, spiritual centers, the Omega ecstatic chant festival, Kripalu center. Um, it was the first year of Bhakti fest on the on wow. in Joshua tree. Um, all these different places, I, I, again, you know, coming from England, where I think, I mean, I definitely say England is, is not behind America on some things, they're just different places. But I think in terms of that culture of the modern yoga uh, sort of world, the spread of popular yoga and the associated practices, England probably was a bit behind in America, it seemed to be a lot more fertilized and people knowing what this is. And my first time coming to some of these festivals and hearing all these people um, chanting and, and sharing kirtan with quite diverse backgrounds, diverse chants was very moving and very inspiring. And, and I suddenly saw that, wow, kirtan could be something that so many people participate in. It was around that time that I think, um, you know, like the New York Times wrote about Krishnadas doing Kirtan in, in big church. And, and then I got to play with him. I, I played violin for him at one of the big, big ones in New York. I think there mm -hmm. must have been about almost 2000. It felt like 2000 people. Maybe it wasn't, but it felt like, and I was looking out and again, just seeing such a diverse range of people. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so inspired um, to think of how people's lives could be touched by encountering this practice and you mentioned you know the music with willow i i see the the songs with her as part of an expression of um 
I don't want to I don't want to say that they are a bridge in the sense that it's strategic and it's meant to be mm-hmm. just a sort of like oh listen to this and then but really you should be over there. Right. Um, <laughs> the gateway it, drug. Yeah, the gateway. <laughs> not not like that at all. Um, I think you know songs like this are for me an expression, uh, another expression of um, at least for my part in them, you know, someone who has for, for years written poetry, written songs, listened to all different kinds of music, whilst my main musical input as sort of on a regular basis has been Kirtan. And then this is a, this is a way of expressing my other musical inspirations. But I, I know that a lot of people have listened to some of those songs and being like, oh, so, you know, what else has this person done? And then found themselves, you know, YouTube video after YouTube video ending up somewhere in Kirtan recordings. And for me, that's a very, it's a very beautiful thing and exciting thing. Well, it's interesting because, you know, knowing both worlds and I, I, I saw Krishna Das live around the same time in Boulder and it was, it was amazing. So yeah, yeah, for me also coming from England where I, I'd never been introduced to Kirtan actually, uh, or heard of it even yet seeing how normal it was here. So for anyone listening, by the way, or watching, um, if you have chance to go to a Kirtan, don't think, oh God, I can't sing out loud in a room because <laughs> I can't sing because that's not the point. And, and actually, yeah. I always say everyone can sing because they can. Yeah. Yes. You get in the group and it's not about a performance. It's not about anyone spotlighting yeah. you. You're just singing in a group and it's it's an amazing experience. So if you get the yeah. chance to go to a Kirtan or a Sacred Chant group experience, do go. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved what you did with Rise because just listening to it again, in the last couple of days, knowing we were talking today, I was struck by, it's a really good fusion, not just of ancient and modern. And I say ancient because I always think of your voice in such an ancient way, Janavi. It's interesting. Your voice is so old to me. And I mean that in a good way. (laughs) Um, It really is old. And ever I'm listening to you, I'm like, God, it's like she's been singing this for lifetimes or Mm. getting lifetimes of voices through this one voice. That's how I always experience it. Mm. But what I loved about Rise was in the same way that a really wonderful pop song can give you a lyric that either describes something you're experiencing and it's like, oh God, yeah, that's put words to that thing Mm. or can say something in a lyric that makes you think or feel Mm. Rise has so many of those lyrics Mm. uh, that are statements or questions for you to consider. And as you're listening, you just you notice thoughts going through your mind if you're listening to the lyrics. But also for me, it is a real fusion of of your existing worlds of Kirtan. And and if you like a more I don't even want to say pop sensibility, but you know what I mean. I do. I do. Oh, I almost got a tear in my eye. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that because you can't imagine how stressed and nervous I was about doing that because I don't, I've, I I consider myself more of a writer than anything. I I would used to never say I was a musician. I still, it's hard for me. Only recently I've started to say that with confidence and say, well, I'm a musician. I used to think, no, I'm not a musician, but I know I can write. And I've, I've always loved to write, but to write a song, I, I didn't think that I could do that. And, um, even up until I got to, to LA to meet with Willow, I didn't know exactly what we would do together because the single we released several months before Rise, we released a single called Surrender, which was 
a, a chant repeated over and over again. And I knew that Willow loved chanting, loved kirtan. So I thought maybe we'll do more of that. We hadn't spoken that much. And Willow had said to me, I, I, you know, I just want us to get in the room together and then we'll see what we want to do. So I thought, okay. And when we got together, it kind of seemed like the idea was maybe not to do so much chanting, but to do to create some original songs. But we had such a short time to create together. We had two weeks of time, but within that time, she had a lot of other commitments. Um, so we only had certain days. And, and she said, well, I think you should write the songs and I'll take on more of the production because she wanted to get in that role. Mm. And, and I... And she also knew that, you know, for expressing spiritual concepts and things, you have a bit more of a background in that. So um, that it it was a lot of prayer for me because I really didn't know what my ability was or if I could do it. And I still feel, I still feel like that. I was listening to the Rise song today because I'm going to be performing it in, in, in next week. And I was listening to the words and I was thinking, I don't even know how those words... I don't know how I came up with that. Like it just, that song, particularly the first song, it just came. I was, mm -hmm. I was praying a lot to, I was just praying how, give me some words. What, what I know kind of what I want to say, but I, I just don't know how to say it. And I sat down and I started to write and it was just like, the. I mean, you hear people talk about this and I, I don't think I'd really experienced this before. It was like the words were just coming out. I almost wrote yeah. the song as it is. And that makes you really nervous the next time. Like the next song I had to write, I was thinking, well, will that happen again? I don't know. And then it didn't happen again. And I was thinking, oh, well, how do I write the next one? That was a lot more arduous, but... Um, yeah, it was it was a beautiful experience of trying to express these core concepts and ideas exactly as you describe. I, my hope and my wish was that they would sort of be um, almost sutra like, not to sound sort of too, um, you know, too, too high and mighty, but it just be kind of essential and and to not say too much, but say enough that it will provoke um, a type of inner journey for some, for the listener. Well, I also, I think I said earlier, I really appreciated the production. So it's, it's great yeah. to know that Willow was, was leading yeah. on that because, you know, great. I mean, there's so many elements to, as we know, that the chemistry that's required for recorded music to be great is, 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 sometimes very random i mean sure if you're if you if you have a certain mastery of your craft or your music yeah. or your writing or your singing yeah you can kind of but but for for the magic to happen it's it's such an unknown it's so it's so it's, random and it's so scary cuz not scary but it, if you put expectations on it that it has to be like this mm -hmm. that's scary because you 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 can't really control it there's only a certain amount that you can actually do to make sure it's going to be something at least decent or possible. Yeah. But it isn't it liberating when you, when you realize that, because for, for many years, I wouldn't understand why a song that I'd written that I knew was a really good song because it made me feel a certain way when I was singing it in a way that some yeah. of the others didn't yeah. kind of got ruined in the production or the mix or yes. not, not quite. And I, I was like, Oh, you know, I just, 
I didn't know. And now I'm, I'm kind of know enough that you need time and you need to not be on a deadline and you need to be able to remix or throw it out if it's not working. But the production was an element that I, I think can sometimes be overlooked. And, and for me, when a production makes you feel something Mm. as an element in the piece, as well as the writing and the singers and the balance of the mix and the sound, then you're really onto something. And it, it's funny because to me, that EP um, is A, ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Like a decade from now, that EP will make a lot more sense to a lot more people because mm. you two are pioneering something. That's just my instinct. Mm. Uh, but it also has a very empowered feminine energy to it that is quite unique. I've not heard that signature in quite that way before. Mm. Um, it's, it's very, um, it's very powerful, but it, it, it carries a lot for me, a lot of the feminine power. And I know there are different artists on it too with you. So, Mm. but there's, there's just something very deep about it that, um, Mm. I do think is ahead of its time. And it, it actually is interesting because it's one of those pieces that the more you listen to it, the more it unlocks and the more it unfolds. But I love what you said about people then finding your kirtan, because for example, your Namo Namaha song, mm-hmm. which I've just been listening to this last couple of days, mm-hmm. is gorgeous and is 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 different, but mm-hmm. still in the same realm, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to quickly wind back to what you said about the production and really credit willow um for yeah i i was i didn't know willow that well actually before we'd we'd met several times we'd worked together on this one song that we'd released but we hadn't spent that much time together other than that so we didn't really have um you know a a a relationship like a close bond um Mm -hmm. to be collaborative and so it was that also was sort of yet to be seen what would that be like and um I didn't, I didn't know about Willow at all that she had such an ear for production or that she had so much experience. She was very, very confident in the studio um, making choices that normally I would agonize over much more. Um, she's very decisive and she's, she's, you know, a lot younger than me, 13 years younger. So in some ways, I think there were aspects of me that felt like I'm sort of the big sister and I'm showing you about this thing that, you know, something that's new for you. And then I felt like she was, she was the big sister because she was saying, come on, Janavi, we need to just make a decision right now. Okay. We're going to do it that way. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. I trust you. I trust you. Even sometimes she would say like, oh, okay. I think we need to have this sound in there. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Mm," Like I said, why don't we sleep on it and think about it? She was like, no, I think we should decide right now. And then, you know, after a few days listening, getting used to it, I was like, wow, I, I think you're right. That really, that really turned it around in a whole new way. So we, we had this um, very sweet dynamic, I think, of pushing each other out of our different types of comfort zones. And you mentioned um, the feminine energy. Actually, um, as far as I can recall, I, I hope I'm not blanking out and missing anybody, but there, there's only there's only one other artist that's on the on the EP. Otherwise, we mm-hmm. sang and played everything. Uh, we had a friend play uh, some flute on one of the tracks, but otherwise, it's mm-hmm. all us. Oh, and so, I think it was that sort of sister 
feeling, sister I, bond. And um, I didn't expect how, how sweet that would feel. It really was sweet. It was a beautiful experience. It was very fast. Most people are very shocked to hear how quickly it all came together. And it was extremely uncertain whether it would, what, we just knew we had this much time. My mm. sister was about to give birth to a, a baby over, over on the East Coast and I was meant to be her birth partner in the, in the labor. Right. She had said, on this date, you need to be back. Because <laughs> any day after that, she's a midwife, so she knows all about it. Yeah. She's like, any day after this, the baby could come. So I was like, all right, we have to finish this by this day. So, uh, yeah. But but absolutely what you say about production, it, 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 makes, it makes or breaks things. And that takes a different kind of ear and, and a, a real self-assurance. Um, so anyway, I, I went way off the, the other point, but no. you were talking about it connecting to connecting to Kirtan. Yeah, I remember Willow said to me, I was like, I wonder, you know, what are your fans going to make of of this? And she said, you know, my fans are very my fans are, are very loyal because I'm they know me as being someone that explores different genres in my music. And generally, whatever I explore, they sort of follow me follow along with me and and um you know embrace that so she was like i think it's going to be really cool to see what how what they make of this and how they how they you know kind of how our two worlds collide and so a after the release it was really sweet to see um a lot of her fans are you know of a of a younger demographic i think i have people who are younger that follow me and then a lot people of all ages because spiritual mm. music is for for everyone but um we had a lot of her fans like posting you know selfie videos of themselves singing the songs and i knew that for some of them you know some of the songs have sanskrit chants in them om namo bhagavate vasudevaya they'll sing along and put that lyric in and and some of them were writing like i don't know what this is but it makes me cry or it makes me feel like this can someone explain to me what these words are and so good <laughs> like that's so sweet <laughs> so good well i know that you're working away on new music of your own and you've released a couple of singles and um how what is the process for you i'm sure you're doing many other things at the same time and i know collaboration is a big part of your life but what's the process for you with building towards i'm guessing you're creating an album now how, how like how do you <laughs> approach that is it is are you yeah are you are you focused on collecting a, a body of songs or do you do you, do you have a plan or are you just finding your way through and seeing what happens and when enough songs are there you're going to release an album well, I, so I, I said that I didn't feel confident in writing songs and that's true. However, I, I am a words and music person. Mm -hmm. So things come to me and for many years, um, I, I do record my ideas. I write, I record usually voice memos. I write things down. And for many years, I just did that. I just recorded things because I was just like, well, you know, I don't know. I didn't think I would do anything with it. I just, I'm just in the practice of recording ideas as a, you know, you should do that sort of take harvest the, the cream. Yeah. Um, and so I, I found that I started to have some, and when I would go back into them, you know, like I had a, I had a Google drive that's, you know, it's been sitting there for 
however many, 10 years, I would go sometimes rummage back into it and I'd look at some lyrics and I'd be like, oh, I think that's actually, yeah, that's not bad. Maybe I should do something with that one day. Um, and really the Rise Project was very significant for me because although on my first and only album, there's one song, Like a River, that has English lyrics, that was a that was a poem that I wrote, and it was never meant to be a song. But my friend Goravani that I mentioned, he convinced me to make it into a song, and it's he beautiful. made it into a song with me. He really held my hand to create that with me. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. So apart from that one song that featured my lyrics, I'd never put my lyric original writing out there. And with Willow, I found that experience so empowering. Um, not only, you know, releasing it and having people say, oh, we love this, but actually even just in the studio, having that, um, having someone like Willow, you know, I'd show her the lyrics and be like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You know, even the, even the rise lyrics, which I now think, oh, I think that's, that's so beautiful. But when I first showed them, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can change anything. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to even yeah. like, this is just an idea, you know, that kind of, oh, very defensive and um, and she'd be like, oh, my God, I think they're fantastic. I think it's awesome at this. At she would just kind of have that very positive energy. And and um, I, I, I really needed that. And it it brought me into a space of feeling, well, OK, I've, I've I sort of went through that trial by fire of having to produce things very quickly. Um, that project, I went in with no preparation. I wrote wrote the songs and we recorded, composed, recorded everything within two weeks and so now looking back to some of my older things i'm like okay i think these things could take on some life and um what what's been a key thing for me in doing that is what you mentioned about production is working with a producer that i resonate with and, and again that was something that i just didn't know where to find a person like that and it's one of those things that I do, I believe in prayer and res response to prayer coming mm. at the right time, usually not the time, you know, but I was th Me thinking, too. I need to, I need to find someone that I, I, I work well with and uh, that, you know, we're on the same wavelength that gets the spiritual nature of this music, but I don't want to necessarily, I really felt that I wanted to work somewhat with someone who was musically outside of just sort of the spiritual music world, because I feel like that translation of these um, concepts and um, ideas into a sort of sonic world that's not something that's just sort of in a bubble. I yeah. think you need to have ears that are accustomed to different sounds and different sort of sonic spaces. So just so happened, I was talking to someone I'd only recently met, a musician friend, and I'd been mentioning to different people that I'm looking for somebody and people suggested different names, but nothing really went anywhere. And I was starting to think, I need to go back to England. I don't know why I'm here. I probably shouldn't be doing this anyway and all of that. And then I, I just got introduced to a friend, to a producer who, who happened to be living 20 minutes away from where I was living at the time. And he is from a jazz and prim primarily hip hop background, which was not the, which was not what I thought would be the person that would be the, you know, the right fit. But it turned out that he's in a space where in his private life, he's exploring meditation music and how to 
sort of bring that into the into the space of people who are listening to hip hop R and B. Brilliant. It's a very interesting sort of. We were both in this space of wanting to translate things into in, mm. in, into other ways, and we kind of met somewhere in the middle and just hit it off. And again, I think that collaborative relationship you spoke you spoke about that sort of magic space being so random and you you just can't really control it and i think collaborate collaborative relationships that really work are like that because you could have so many that it's like oh it's nice but it doesn't leave you feeling like there's a lot of scope for more or greater exploration necessarily but um with chris chris Scholar, who i'm working with right now uh yeah it's been really inspiring and actually this project has been predominantly um original songs so it's not it, the songs that you mentioned namo namaha and others that i've released recently that was sort of off the back of a um mantra and kirtan concert that i'd been touring before the pandemic mm. uh, arrived and so we performed some of these pieces and i'd intended to record them and then the pandemic came so after in the summer in England, after that first whole wave and things eased up a bit, we went to the studio and tried to recreate something. Of course, it ended up being very, very different from what the concerts were, but it was an expression of something that we were doing those concerts. Um, and and whilst I still keep that alive, uh, you know, I, I'm still very much part of the Kirtan world, Kirtan and traditional songs. Um, I think my my interest is almost equally in this space of original songwriting because I, I think that we are you know we need the language that we speak and understand also to to not only because that's the kind of music we all consume music that has lyrics you know that has it has a form that's familiar but because it's it's a very direct connection sometimes we need something that we don't understand to bypass totally bypass the intellect and it goes straight to the heart and you just feel the vibration. Sometimes you need words that, you know, make meaning that can make you question something, as you said, or bring you down a pathway that you didn't know was there. So yeah. I'm exploring right now. And I've enjoyed both sides of your work, both. Thank the, you. The, 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 <laughs> you know, the, the, the lyrics I don't necessarily understand. Yeah. And then the ones that, implant themselves in my own mind my own soul and ask me to consider something so please yeah. keep songwriting thank Jaffe. you and i can i join that the ranks of the 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 people that we should the all pushers. be grateful for that push you <laughs> please keep songwriting and thank um you. you know i'm struck um it first of all it's been fantastic to talk to you today so thank you for coming you on and i'm i'm struck listening to you and and i think some of the themes that we have explored around the reluctant creator. Mm. And I, I joke to my my husband, Stephen, uh, that whenever I ask him to like dance for a music video or come into the vocal booth to do backing vocals, he won't mind me saying this. I always get about 20 minutes. That's that he's like a and he's an amazing dancer and a great singer. Wow. He's like a reluctant performer. He's he's yeah. he's he's a bit more introverted than I am, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it it's interesting, isn't it, how the reluctance for what we do when we overcome it, or if someone helps us move through it, we get to birth this thing and we don't yeah. know what it will do for someone else's life. And one of the things that freed me the most was understanding 
that it was not my job to ever try and be a fan of what I did. I just had yeah. to, I just had to enjoy doing it and care about it and feel alive when I was doing it. And it was, it was going to be other people that could see it in a way that I wouldn't necessarily see it or hear it. And um, I was very self-critical of my singing voice uh, when I kind of came back to music around 2010. I was very hard on myself. And then I read this brilliant music article interview with Cher. And she said, the interviewer said, I've heard that you, you can't stand the sound of your own voice. And she went, oh, yeah. She said, I love doing it. She said, but I don't want to hear it. And that, that freed me because I was like, oh, here I am thinking I've got to work harder to be okay with it and like kicking myself more because I was, and that was the beginning for me. And I feel like in a way that's very much a theme that we've explored here. So yeah, I, if I'm going to, I'll join the ranks of the pushers to say, please keep songwriting because the thing that I'm even clearer about having spent this time with you and I felt this a couple of times listening to you in this last hour, that you're a, a, a very important pioneer for our time of this music. And I know important's a tricky word because we are all equal, mm. but I, I see the part of you that is both sonically and spiritually and scientifically, because my sense of you is you have a really scientific understanding of music that's just innate to you the fusion of those three and your passion for it and your integrity and these collaborations you're making, they're, they're really important because they're changing the, the consciousness of music out there in the world and for those of us who are listening. So yeah. thank you for doing that. And uh, oh, it's been lovely to meet so you. Thank you. It's been so such a pleasure and it's such an art and it's such a gift to be asked questions that are so deeply considered you know, you you know yourself. I'm sure you've 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 been interviewed and you've interviewed so many people. What uh what what a gift it is to be. You know the things that get drawn out of oneself, the insights, the realizations when you get asked the right kinds of questions or or questions that are not the everyday. And I I've really enjoyed this conversation because um these are the things. I love to talk to others about. I, I love to be. I love to be that person also for others to push push them and say, you can do this. You have to do this. So um, thank you. you. It's been so encouraging. And uh, I, I will remember your voice and rem remember you telling me that as I go forward and take a lot of a lot of heart from it when I feel doubtful. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Janavi. And for everyone watching and listening, we're going to put a few different links in the show notes underneath the video or the audio versions. So to find all of Janavi's work and music, you can go to janavimusic.com. We'll put that on the screen and it will also be in the notes, but we'll also add a couple of links for Apple and Spotify. And uh, I highly encourage you to uh, look into all of Janavi's music catalog. So for today, thank you to everyone for tuning in and thank you Janavi for being with us on Impact the World. Thank you so much, Lee. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive and a channeler, and I've been channeling now for 23 years. And the information and the energy that my guides have underscored my life with throughout those years has been very transformative for me. 
And for those of you who followed my work over the past 17 years or so, I know for many of you too. As I was visioning and doing a lot of deep diving this summer, really talking to my guides a lot through the month of August, they gave me the name Initiation as the name for a series of messages that they want to bring. Initiation will begin on October the 27th and every Wednesday, live from this studio, I'll be channeling for approximately an hour to 75 minutes. I have asked my dear friend and sound healing collaborator, Devor Bozik, to create some original music encoded with planetary frequencies, but also frequencies that relate to our body that can run underneath each of the channels. And my guides disease have given us a written message about what initiation will be and what will take place during it. You can find that and all information about this experience on the course page. In between each of the live broadcasts, I will do a special calibration video that helps us at a human level calibrate to and integrate and absorb what each channeled message will be. This is different to anything I've ever done before. I can't wait to bring it to you and neither can my team. If you feel to be with us for initiation or you want to just get a sense of it, please visit the link below this video to learn more and to feel more and to see if it resonates with you. If so, we'd love to have you with us.